What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of this fine program. And uh, before we get into this, I just want to make sure that you go down to that description so you can follow us on social media. All that bullshit is in the description. You just click it, you follow it, you like it, you do whatever, and you'll know when there's new podcast up. Anyway, to get into the intros, I'm Andrew Ravens of eWrestlingNews.com. Of course, I'm joined by my co-host, John of Wrestling Inc., and low kick MMA. And uh, I think we have to start off the podcast like this, John. What did you think of the epic breaking of the ring between Braun Strowman and the Big Show? I liked it. I wasn't expecting it uh, up until when he they I, they were teasing it a bunch, and they usually do that with big man matches like uh, we've seen before with you know braun and, and the big show they tease a superplex off the top but they never really do it uh you know and then i i didn't think they were actually gonna do that spot and once they did do it i just thought you know something like braun would pin him or, or something like that i didn't expect it to be the finish or anything um maybe a lot of people did see it coming but i really didn't and i i enjoyed it man uh i the last time we saw that was with the big show again and brock i believe it was and um yeah that was insane uh the whole thing collapsed i would have liked to uh, have seen braun kind of roll over and pin him just to end it like that but he just walked off and the match never really ended so um yeah i would have liked to have seen a pinfall ending like that way because i i think the only reason they didn't do that was because the ref kind of like flipped out of the ring and like hit his head or something i don't know he looked funny how the ref flew out of there but uh, I thought the spot was awesome. I really liked it. I think it was a, a nice way to end Raw. It was refreshing from what we usually get. Yeah, I agree. And uh, actually, you know, you brought up the fact that they originally did that with Big Show and Lesnar in 2003. They actually did it again. I believe this is 2011. It could have been 2012. Um, but it was Big Show and Mark Henry. They broke the ring, and that's how they ended that pay-per-view. I forgot the... Ah, Vengeance pay-per-view, that's what it was, but that was a good moment. But in terms of the Raw breaking in the ring, I thought that was the best one because they haven't done it in so long, and it always gets a huge pop, and that referee took an insane bump. But I was a little surprised that they did that. Going into that match, and I already had my headline written, just because they did the storyline angle last week on Monday Night Raw and throughout the week, and he worked live events, but he still played up the storyline at least. I thought Roman Reigns was going to make his epic Superman return and, you know, kind of cost Strowman the match, or at least cause a DQ. Um, now, I'm not a necessarily a Roman Reigns hater to say, but I like the direction that they went, and I think you have to give WB Creative a lot of credit for just going outside the norm because they could have easily went with the Reigns uh, interference, and they didn't. And that not only helps that show, help that segment, and made a creative moment, but it also prolonged the eventual Roman Reigns coming back and getting his revenge on Strowman. And in my personal opinion, I think they should at least leave Reigns off of TV up until the upcoming uh, payback pay-per-view event, just to get more he uh, heat on it. Uh, you could do some vignettes with him or like a backstage interview, but I wouldn't have Reigns and Strowman touch until that pay-per-view just to draw more attention to it. Yeah, I agree. I, I like the fact because I, I myself was expecting the Reigns interference. That's what I was expecting. I was uh, 
I was expecting the ref to get knocked down somehow, like Braun runs into him or something, and Reigns comes in with the spear, and Show gets the cover, something like that, uh, just to kind of build up the tension between him and Braun even more before payback. But uh, I do like that they're keeping him off of TV for now, kind of selling the the injury from the whole terrible uh, ambulance spot with him and uh, uh, Strowman, where he flipped him over in the ambulance and all that crazy shit. But um, yeah, I, I liked it, and I like that uh, your idea of keeping him off of TV until payback. I think that makes uh, Roman look. You know, it's even more of a. I, w- I don't want to say pop with Roman because you can't really uh, <laughs> because they're just gonna. Be no. Here, but, uh, it's gonna it's gonna make it a, a lot more. It's gonna build up the anticipation a little more to the match. Um, and I I I see you know a lot of people are really getting behind Strowman. You know, just because he's going against Reigns, he's getting a lot of uh, attention. So uh, I, I really like this pairing, uh, and I know they're gonna try and you know ease this into a program with. Strowman and Lesnar, and then eventually Reigns and Lesnar, and you know, I just think this whole—if the WWE plays their cards right—I think this whole little triangle can can be something really great. Yeah, and and switching gears, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I thought that it was at least notable to bring up. Uh, it's very sad. It's very tragic, and I will definitely botch his last name so everyone can get on to me about that. But that was former WWE superstar Rosie. Uh, real name Matt Anoe. Uh Of course, he is the older brother of Roman Reigns and uh, and the son of a Hall of Famer. He passed away on April 17th at the age of 47, and there's some speculation uh, regarding his death, and it appears that it was heart failure, but we won't know until they do an autopsy, and we're probably looking at six to eight months for that if they do it correctly. Um he didn't do much in WB, but he was at least there. Uh, he worked there from 2002 to 2006. Most notably, he was in Three Minute Warning, and he worked with the Hurricane, uh, where he and the Hurricane went on to become WB Tag Team Champions. Uh, any thoughts on this? Other than that, uh, yeah, man, it's just really sad. You know, like you said, he was he didn't do too too much, but I found him fairly entertaining. Uh, you know, and I, I enjoyed. Uh, you know, I, I I enjoyed pretty much everything he did in the WWE, and I don't think many, you know, I don't think I could say that for many guys who have been in there. So, uh, you know, he was very entertaining. He comes from a historic family uh, in the WWE, and, you know, my, my, my heart goes out to them at this time, man. It's 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 tough, and it's way too soon. He was, what, he was still in his 40, late 40s, wasn't he? 47, yeah. Yeah, it's, that's, that's tough, man. Yeah. Uh, switching gears and... I'm actually excited about this, and it's the reports. Originally, it was reported by uh, Wade Keller over at the PWTorch.com, and that is Mike Bennett and Maria Canellis. They are headed to WB now. Of course, Maria worked in WB in the early 2000s, mid-2000s, somewhere around there. Um, She came from the Diva Search contest, um, and you know she did some things, mostly managers, she wasn't necessarily the greatest wrestler in the world, but she was an eye candy, and that's what WB kind of based their women talent around. And then Mike Bennett, he really made his name known in Ring of Honor. Of course, that's where they met uh, and kind of became a on-screen pair. For whatever reason, they decided to leave to leave Ring of Honor and go to Impact Wrestling, which was the touch of death 
for their careers for about a year there. I will say this. I didn't really like Bennett's work in Impact Wrestling. I thought he was a little bit better in ROH, but Maria Kanellis not only showed that she can be someone that is used properly, but she can talk like no other. She's one of the she at least was one of the best people on the mic in Impact Wrestling. And um, they will be coming back to WTV soon. They're supposed to be placed on the SmackDown brand. And I will ask you this. I think with Maria being his almost manager type, I think that's going to help Mike. But I have a little bit of concerns about how they're going to place Mike. I don't see him as a WWE champion. He could be like a, a secondary guy. But when he has achieved his most success is when he's in a tag team. Uh, thoughts? Yeah, again, like you said, I don't see him being a top contender or anything like that. I think Maria is going to be a good mouthpiece for him. Uh, I could see him in the you know a, a tag team title picture with uh, with with somebody, and I could really see him in the United States title picture with Kevin Owens and uh, you know all, all those you know second tier kind of guys like you mentioned already. Um, as far as Maria goes. Uh, I'm not sure about her in-ring work. I don't know if they're going to try and put her in the run for the the title over there and SmackDown. But um, like you said, eye candy, you know, that's something that WWE really likes to use with their, you know, with their women that they bring in. And she certainly is and was back in the day eye candy. So um, I think a lot of people are really excited to see her back. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to see uh mike bennett in in the wwe i'm not uh, too too familiar with his work like i've mentioned before in the podcast i i i didn't i don't really pay too much attention to impact or uh ring of honor that much but uh, i'm excited to see what he can bring to the table and i'm excited to see what the wwe is going to do with him yeah i i I believe that it would be a mistake to put maria in the ring as an in-ring talent um, she's solid, but she's nothing very special, and I think that it would be a, almost a disservice if they did put her in the ring instead of a manager because Mike is not the greatest uh, talker. And one of the knocks on Bennett throughout his career is he, he doesn't really wrestle as a indie-style type of guy. He's always been based around and titled as a WB-style worker, and that was probably one of his reasonings that Dewey was interested in him. Um, and I think it shows that WB has a lot of faith in, in both talents to not put them in a, in NXT and put them on the main roster. I mean, if you look at all the guys that they put in NXT and you can go down the list, most of those guys don't even need to be in NXT. I understand the reasoning behind it. It draws interest into that brand. It sells tickets viewership, you name it, it's there, and I understand that. Um, And so with that being said, with them not being put in NXT, I have to believe, at least off the bat, that WB has big plans for Bennett and Maria. I just don't know what that necessarily is. Because if they're going to SmackDown, I can't see them taking the U.S. title off Owens unless he's going to lose it somehow down the road, and that's a possibility, and then eventually you know, go and face probably Randy Orton for the WWE Championship. But it, it should be interesting. And I was thinking about this, John, and I think I have a point to this. If you noticed, in the summertime, WB really holds back on the creative and the angles and, and stuff like that. And I think it's due to two reasons. S- it being summertime, 
and the NBA playoffs um, kicking up. If you've noticed, they hold off after WrestleMania, and they don't really start kicking things up until about July. You have your Money in the Bank pay-per-view. It appears that we won't have a draft this year in July like last year, but then you start getting the build uh, for SummerSlam, which is, of course, in August, and I miss it every year. Is there a concern? I don't think there's a concern in terms of them holding back because, yes, their TV ratings are dropping, but they have convinced themselves that social media matters. And I have ranted on the last two podcasts about how social media does not matter in terms of TV viewership. Are you concerned about this? And are you not necessarily as interested NWB product going into the summertime as a fan. Yeah, like you said, as a fan, they 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 typically time you know slow down around this time of year. So uh, I'm not too too interested in it. I mean, I, I can just tell by what they're gonna do, what they're doing right now. Uh, they're they're gonna start slowing down, which we're gonna talk about Jinder Mahal in a minute. But right now they have Jinder <laughs> Mahal uh, as the as the contender for the WWE title. Um, in my opinion, they're beating a dead horse with the Roman and Braun Strowman, uh, you know, feud. We've seen it before. They've they've you know faced each other at a pay per view before, so um, that you know that's something we've seen already. I'm expecting the storylines to be rather repetitive, uh, just the extension of old feuds, um, you know, just just kind of coasting for the for the for the next couple months month or couple months um and like you said about the nba playoffs i think that also has a big factor you know in it as well if like for me personally if my rockets are playing and the wwe is on at the same time i'm probably going to be watching the rockets game so uh you know that's just me but as far as uh being excited as a fan yeah this is about the time of year where i'm kind of like turned off to the product just because for one, and I do understand why they do it. I do understand that they're, you know, just coasting because they know people want to enjoy their summers. They know people are probably paying attention to the NBA playoffs. And, you know, that's that's just kind of the norm now. So uh, I'm expecting that once the summer is up, you know, come around, come around SummerSlam, something like that, business starts to pick up again. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get to the Jinder Mahal situation <laughs> in a minute, but I think this backs up my argument in this topic of while SmackDown live last week did its best viewership since the WB draft last July, they were down nearly 600,000 viewers and that was going up against the NBA playoffs. Now I'm not saying they're going to do that every week, but I'm just saying you can see the drop uh, and how the summertime slash NBA playoffs does affect WB programming. And with the, WB title, we have a little bit of a situation on our hands. And there was not a lot of people that picked up on this, but until reports started coming out, and if you go on WB.com, you'll notice this as well. They originally, when the Superstar Shakeup originally happened, Bray Wyatt was traded to Monday Night Raw from SmackDown Live, but he was currently in a program and still is with debut champion Randy Orton. And it was expected before the trade that they would face each other at Backlash, which takes place, I believe, May 21st, 22nd, something like that. But Wyatt was traded to Raw. 
And there was a lot of speculation, and we actually talked about this uh, on last week's podcast of, well, if White wins the title, then it goes to Raw. And I had an issue with that, with Lesnar being the universal champion on Raw. But it appears that this match is not going to be for the WWE title because WWE is not advertising it as a championship match. They're just advertising as a House of Horrors match. So basically, it's going to be a non-title blow-off to their feud. And after this, Randy is going to go his way and Bray is going to go that way. Here is my question. Does this hurt this match with the WWE title not being on the line? Um, I mean, I don't think... I don't know. I was never too invested in the storyline with Bray and Randy from the beginning. Um, so it, this match really doesn't do much for me. Um, the, as far as the title not being in it, yeah, I think that hurts it even more because people want to see who's the WWE champ and where is the belt going to go. Is it going to go to Raw and Raw is going to have both belts or is it going to go to SmackDown and, you know, all as well. Each brand has a belt. I've always been a guy that, that prefers the one belt and the champion pretty much works both shows. Uh, that's just me. Um, but now they have this WWE Universal title, which Brock now has, which is being pumped up in in actuality to be the, the belt uh, as opposed to the WWE title. Whatever belt is on Raw is going to be recognized as the belt, and I think we all know that. Um, but yeah, the, the belt not being on the line kind of turns it off for me. I'm just interested to see what this house of horror match is going to, you know, contain and how they're going to work it. But, uh, yeah, like this, like I said earlier, this, this feud, this match really doesn't do much for me. I'm just excited to see the program between Bray Wyatt and, uh, Finn Balor moving forward. I'm, I'm ready for this, uh, little thing between Bray and, and Randy to be over with. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily hurt that the match is not going to be with the title. Um, And I don't think the title even being on the line, if it was, would have even helped it. Going into WrestleMania 33, which is, of course, their original match, which is, of course, is where Orton won the championship. Going into that, I was really pumped up about that match. I don't know why. I can't explain it. I was just excited for it. But it's always the fucking Randy Orton effect. It never fails. If this man does not want to put on a good match, it's not going to happen. He has to be in a great mood that day for a great match to happen with him. And when he is, he is spot on and he can have one of the best matches with anyone on the roster. I think in order to help this match, John, I think that they need to have a giant sperm on the entrance ramp for Randy Orton's entrance, just like at Mania. Okay, that's going to spark interest. But I will say this, I have an idea of what this match is going to be like. WB has not come out and stated what this match is going to be like because WB does not know what this match is going to be like. I envision this being a hardcore slash no-holds-barred match, which is the exact same match, but we have to call it different things. It's a street fight. You want to throw in that term? Why not? Why we have to have three terms for one fucking match? I don't know, but that's just WWE. Vince McMahon and his quirks, they're so weird and unique and different and just makes no sense. I think the adding of gimmicks in terms of weapons, I think that will help this. I think that's what they should have done at Mania because I just don't understand why they thought just having a good old-fashioned wrestling match 
would help these guys. They're brawlers. They've always been brawlers. And you have to put them in that environment for them to advance and then for them to elevate each other. Uh, and let's get to fucking Jinder Mahal. I've been waiting <laughs> since Tuesday to talk about this motherfucker. I have nothing against Jinder Mahal. It's not his race. It's not even his veins. Oh, my God, his veins. I feel – I honestly am scared when I see him just because I just hope he's going to be okay. If yeah. he's not on anything and I'm not accusing him of being on anything – I think he pumps a lot of iron and eats a lot of rare, you know, like raw eggs. You know, you notice fucking guys that lift weights, they eat a lot of raw eggs for some reason. And I could be wrong. I don't lark out or anything like that. I like Oreos and fucking chocolate cake, but I digress. <laughs> Jinder Mahal is the number one contender for the WWE Championship. He will face Randy Orton at the upcoming Backlash pay-per-view. You know how much I get confused on backlash and payback and yeah. where they're located and what dates. It's very confusing. I, I don't like it. Uh, I'm scared every time I write about it because I have to double check. I digress. That is two. I digress in a matter of a minute. I'm proud. <laughs> Jinder Mahal, he won a six-pack challenge on Tuesday's episode of SmackDown Live. He beat some guys. You got your Zigglers and your Harper and your Rowan and that's all I can think of. There you go, and there's another motherfucker, but I digress. <laughs> Jinder Mahal, a lot of people are shitting on this, John. I'm shitting on this. I don't like it. I don't like the fact that you took a job guy who has been portrayed as a job guy that you should not care about, and now, just because he won a six-pack challenge which a, with a bunch of other mid-card to job guys, now he's the number one contender for the WWE title. One of the most prestigious titles in the company's history. Why are they doing this, John? It beats me, man. I I, I expected Raleigh's push to begin, or I expected Ziggler, I, anyone but Jinder. I thought Jinder was just there to be Jinder. Um, I didn't think that, you know, I did not honestly think that he had a shot at winning this. And when he did, I was, I was shocked. Um... Meltzer, I think, came out and said that he's been impressing people uh, backstage with his work ethic and how seriously he's taking his run with the company this time around. Uh, I think he also said something like uh, the fact that his his physique, you know, has improved tremendously, like me and you mentioned earlier. Uh, you know that that they that they are really starting to, you know, he's starting to raise some eyebrows backstage. So. Maybe this is the beginning of a of a of a push out of nowhere for him. Honestly, I don't think it is. I think that they're probably trying to go after maybe in the Indian market or something like that. Um, that's just me. I and like I said earlier, like we were talking about with SummerSlam, and uh, you know, it's not gonna the WWE is gonna pretty much slow everything down until we get to SummerSlam. I think this is also a part of that. So you kind of get to kill two birds with one stone. You get to target uh, one market that you really want to hit, and you're also kind of slowing down for your, you know, uh, United States fans. You're just slowing things down, and it's it's beneficial to them. So uh, plus, Vince likes his big guys in the main event. He likes his big guys fighting for the title. He likes. You know, he just likes big guys. I don't know any other way to say it, but uh, yeah, I'm again. I'm not too hyped on it, and I have nothing against him either. Uh, this is just going to be a match. <laughs> it's just going to be another match on a card, and I don't know how long they're going to 
feud with this, how long they're going to, you know, hold him up there on, on the main event scene. But um, it's, it is what it is, man. This is the time of year where I kind of turn off from the product. I, I still, you know, keep up with what's going on, but I, I'm not really too, too invested in it until SummerSlam comes back around. So it's not really going to affect me as a fan too, too much. But uh, if they put the title on him, that will shock me. Uh, I don't expect that to happen. But if it does, boy, is that going to be something. They will riot. That is what will happen. <laughs> now, obviously, he he is not going to win the WWE title. There is no way in hell that this man is going to win the WWE title. Um, this is a perfect example of WWE coasting during this time. And I think the best thing to back up that argument is Jinder Mahal and Randy Orton are not headlining SmackDown live events for like the next two months. It's Orton versus AJ Styles for the WWE title. That is what is headlining these shows. They might throw in, um, you know, some triple threats here and there. They've been doing that. Uh, they had Zayn on there, but it's not something I, I don't see this lasting for a long period of time. I think this is a one and done wham, bam, thank you, man, kind of situation. And Jinder Mahal is the one who is receiving that. Um, and he'll go right back down to being a jobber. You got to be happy for the guy. He's been in the business for you know quite some time. Uh, I was not necessarily excited when they brought him back. I didn't like him when he was first here. I don't necessarily like him now. He's just kind of a guy and, and get him off my television. That's, that's kind of my opinion of him. Um, and, and sticking with SmackDown Live, uh, Dave Meltzer reported this on Wednesday's edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Uh, now that John Cena is gone from WTV, he's out in Hollywood and he's filming some shit, being a movie badass, married to that smoking hot Nikki Bella. Shinsuke Nakamura. I always botch his first name, y'all. You can make fun of me for it. I'm Oklahoma. Um, Nakamura, that's how I refer to him as. He is taking over John Cena's place on SmackDown Live. He's going, and he has been, and he, he will continue to do so. Um, the idea behind Debbie's logic is when Cena was around, they would place him in dark match main events between the time that SmackDown Live went off the air on the USA Network to the time that 205 Live went live on the WWE Network. And the reason for that is, People will leave in droves when SmackDown is over. No one really cares about 205 Live. It's sad. It's a decent show. I don't personally watch it. I just, I watch enough pro wrestling as it is. I, I just don't have time for it. But that's the issue behind that. And their logic is, well, we'll put out a guy that fans really are behind so they'll, you know, stay around. It doesn't really work because people still leave. They did that with Cena. They did that with Nakamura. He's been working with Dolph Ziggler. I've seen speculation of Nakamura working with Dolph Ziggler at the upcoming Payback pay-per-view event next month. I think that happens just because they've been teasing it on TV. Is Nakamura the right guy to take over John Cena's spot on SmackDown Live? I think so. Yeah, why not? I mean, he proved himself that he, you know, can... He can be a top guy over in NXT. Um, I'm a fan of his. I like his entrance. I like his in-ring work. You know, I, I think he has all the tools uh, to be a top guy in the WWE. Um, so, yeah, I'm on board. Um, as far as why they chose him, you know, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. But 
you know, I, I, I think he has it, man. I've always been a fan of his from, you know, the, what little work I saw in uh, NXT because uh, I, I don't watch it religiously. I, I mainly just watch the takeovers and he put on uh, some great matches when he was over there. Uh, his, his matches with Samoa Joe in particular, I really enjoyed. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see it. I think it's good practice for him if he's going to be doing a lot of dark matches. I think it's a uh, really good practice for him for when, you know, he actually hits TV as the main event. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm on board for it, man. Uh, to see Shinsuke at a, at a top spot in the, on Smack on SmackDown, I'm, I'm, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see him compete with guys like Kevin Owens and, and Randy Orton up there in the top t- title picture. I think that'd be really exciting. So, uh, yeah, if he's going to be the guy that's taking over Cena's spot, that's, that's great. Indeed. Talking about taking spots, being pushed. We're talking about Baron Corbin. He's the man. He is the man in Vince McMahon's eyes. It's like me seeing a nice glazed donut. All right, that is me. That is how Vince McMahon sees Baron Corbin. He's supposedly supposed to get a big push. Um, He's had a big push for a little bit now. He feuded with Dean Ambrose over the IC title, but I think they really want to make him a main event guy. Um his in-ring work has gotten so much better since he was in NXT, and when he was first called up to the main roster, his promo skills are a little shaky, but he reads from a script, he'll be okay, and WWE will push anyone that they want to. Perfect example, Jinder Mahal. John, here's my question. Is Baron Corbin someone that you can see as WWE champion? Because I can, just because of his size. Hey, I'm right there with you. Just because of his size, I can see it. Uh, he could be a very good big man heel, uh, and I'm not just talking like one that we see for a minute and then is gone. Like uh, the great Kali comes to mind, where he had a, a nice little run as a top big heel who was very dominant, and then he just turned into this comedic goof who was kissing people on camera. Uh, I don't think we're gonna see that with Baron Corbin. He looks to me like the real deal. Uh, like you said, his his mic skills are shaky, but they're they're not terrible. He's gonna have a script to read off of, and and you know that's gonna be great for him. Uh, his his in ring work isn't awesome, but it, you know he he plays the big man role well. Um, and yeah, I, I think he you know he has the look. I can see the belt on him. Maybe I want to say by the end of the year, I wouldn't be surprised if he already has the title maybe next year, uh, early next year, but I could see him getting in that title picture uh, by as early as the end of this year. Uh, I already know that, you know, backstage, a lot of guys are a little more um, hyped about Corbin than they are Strowman. So that's, that just goes to show you how, you know, high, you know, someone like Vince and, and WWE officials are, are holding him back there. So, uh, yeah, I'm expecting big things from this kid, and, and he's got the size, he's got the look. Um, you know, let's see what he does going forward, and let's see how he handles the main event spot. But he, he's had, like you said, he's had some experience, you know, uh, with big programs with Dean Ambrose for the Intercontinental title. I'm, I'm actually surprised he didn't win. I was kind of expecting him to win the title at WrestleMania, but, uh, you know, that's that's gone. Dean's over in Raw now. But, uh, yeah, I expect him to be in the main picture pretty soon, and... I'm, I'm, you know, excited to see how he does in the in the main event. Yeah, I could easily see him working with um, with Orton, Nakamura, 
Um, he, he might work with Zayn a little bit, but they're, SmackDown Live needs heels. They need top heels. And I think that this is one of the reasons that WWE is pushing this guy so far, just because they always have this issue where they don't have enough heels. They have all these baby faces, but they don't have enough top tier heels. So it'll be interesting to see how they push him, who he works with in the leading months to come. Uh, and that is it for this edition of the podcast. We are out of topics and, uh, thank you all for listening. Make sure to hit those plugs in the, uh, in the description. And of course, keep on saying, but I digress. I'm Andrew Ravens. That's John. We'll catch you next time. See ya.